Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code. I'm here with Isaac Weishub. He's a podcaster. You guys will know his work. Um, I've interviewed him before. It's the second time I'm interviewing him. He's got a new book out called Aliens, UFOs and the Occult Use Your Illusion 1, I believe. Um, it's about the aliens um, and the use of the uh, prophecies. What we're going to go into now, if you haven't heard of this, I've touched on this before, the use of the what's going on in the Middle East and um, especially Jerusalem, Solomon's Temple and the Second Coming, the Rapture, how they're kind of, kind of digitally rolling this out. And Isaac's one of the few people actually talking about this um, in any depth of what might happen. I don't know if you guys know a thing called Project Bluebeam, but Isaac will be far more qualified than myself to say that. So Isaac, thank you to Welcome to Iconic. I know you've had a show on Iconic yourself. Um, really, really great to hit to speak to you, mate. Um, I'm really looking forward to your book. I'm gonna, I'm just about to order it. I'm having a look at it now. So I've been reading a few bits on Amazon. Um, how are you? And let me tell me, just tell me a little bit about your book. Hey, man, thanks for having me back on. I, uh, I, I, so strange story about Iconic and myself. I was on there, so. This year, obviously, has been crazy. Uh, what happened in my life was that I was like proceeding as normal, doing my blogging, my book writing, my podcasting. Things were cool, whatever. And it's kind of, I work a day job, right? So this has always been sort of like my passion project, my side hobby. And then uh, Kobe Bryant died, and I forget now, it's been so crazy, late January, early February. And I... I was really going deep into that because that was a huge topic, and um, the the I gained a lot of traction from that topic because I was reading Kobe Bryant's books that he wrote for children. He wrote some, he had a thing called Granity Multimedia Production where he was rolling out books and movies and entertainment geared towards children. And what was curious was that the books had an occult. Let me stand by one second here. It's freaking loud. Um, the books that he wrote had occult messages hidden in that, and I and I I picked up on this from all the years I've been researching this, and it blew my mind. Like I was I was sharing that information with the public and and trying to you know talk to people about this, and, and that was like a real a real big moment. And then obviously COVID happened, and that just took things to like that pumped the accelerator. And all of a sudden, everybody in the world's reading up on conspiracies. My, the the traffic on my podcast doubled. Everything everything just went complete haywire. And the only thing I could think is that the public, with the lockdowns and the COVID stuff and the quarantines, people became more hip to the idea that maybe the media is being deceptive. Maybe there is a, a greater conspiracy at play here. And I had joined iconic late january i believe mm -hmm. and i was going to do a, a show on there but then like things went nuts in my personal life with the quarantine and my family and my podcast and i had all this other stuff that had happened and the next thing you know like three months blew by uh and i i abandoned the project you know maybe someday i'll get back on it uh things just went through the roof ballistic here in america and since then, I've been trying to parcel out some of these ideas that we're being confronted with, uh, vaccines being one of them. That's a, a dirty word, right? And I did like an eight-part show because I sort of pride myself on being a bit more, I don't want to say rational because that makes conspiracy people sound bad, but I don't just buy into every conspiracy yeah. or every theorist and everything they say. I, I try to look at it... Um, from a more rational angle to see if there's truth to it and give sort of a, I don't know, a percentage of truth to it. Right. Um, and the vaccines, I was always sort of on the fence about it. And then I did a lot of research on it and found, okay, like my conclusion was they're not that safe and they're not that effective. Um, that's not to say they're entirely unsafe and entirely ineffective, but like I wouldn't put a gun that's kind of safe or kind of 
kind of loaded to my head. You know what I'm saying? And I published, I did eight, this eight part show on my podcast and I wrote up a sort of book about this, looking at the ideas and the studies and the facts behind it. Very factual, not no conspiracy stuff allowed. And I basically, it was my thesis of like, this is why I don't want to take a vaccine because I don't trust it. I don't trust the supply chain and the big pharma companies with the profit motive behind this. And I, I, like I said, I'd published maybe eight books on Amazon. I submitted that book in May, I believe it was April or May and they banned it. They blocked it. They wouldn't let me publish. Really? So, yeah. So to me, it's been a, a eye opening experience and I've been blocked before I, I got, I got shadow banned by Google in 16. I got removed from YouTube in 17. I had like 73,000 subscribers. They just kicked me off because I was talking about Ariana Grande is the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. Apparently I can't talk about her. Um, so I've been banned before, but like when Amazon blocked it, I thought, man, that's a scary thing because when you look at pre COVID information, a lot of the big think tanks have been trying to wrap their minds around how can they convince the public to take these vaccines. Hmm. And from a rational point of view, they think that they can reduce disease spread from it, right? But like, to me, I look at it as, well, why aren't we worried about health, removing GMOs, uh, improving nutrition, getting the obesity rates down, quit eating the fast food, like none of these exercises, none of these things are being, you you didn't hear one, one uh, you know, thought coming from any of these leaders about how we can really confront a new disease that sure it's bad. It, it, apparently it's worse than the flu, but it's not like this Ebola black death that like half the people that get it die. Like it's bad, but I feel like they could have done better to say you need to improve your health and here's some things you can do. Instead, they're like, no, we need to roll out a vaccine as soon as possible. And then Amazon blocks this, this examination of vaccines. Um, so to me, I'm just picking up on what the the mainstream people who all of a sudden have found themselves living in a conspiracy theory and have been looking to people like yourself and, my, yeah. and me uh, for some kind of answers or some kind of clarity. Uh, it's a very strange time we're living in right now. It really is. It is very, very odd. And there's a lot of people that won't. I, what I find that funny is I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but that line. And then they come out with a conspiracy theory. I'm like, well, you are then, aren't you? You've just done one. You've literally just done a conspiracy theory. That's fine. It's okay. It's called critical thinking in another world. That's all it is. You've just you are a conspiracy theorist. A policeman, an investigator, is a conspiracy theorist. He's theorizing about how they conspired to kill someone or rob someone or rape someone. It's a conspiracy to commit a crime against others. So you're telling me there's no conspiracies. Well, we wouldn't have a police force then, would we? Why bother having in private investigators? It's ridiculous. What you just said there about, I, I want to just touch upon the, the vaccines um, before we move on, is um, what is your take on the RNA, DNA vaccine? To me, they're, 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 they are so desperate to get our RNA, I'm sorry, our DNA. To me, there seems to have echoes of the Anunnaki, of some DNA modification there. So called a messenger DNA. If you want to go completely conspiracy theory, a messenger, a message can be sent both ways. What is your take on, on what, why? Because this is a different vaccine isn't it it's an it's an rna dna vaccine these have not been used before as far as i i'm aware anyway yeah in fact the the rna vaccines they didn't even hit my radar when i was researching vaccines i was kind of sticking to the bread and butter of the the arguments that the anti-vaxxers had against the vaccines and trying to prove or disprove what they were saying and rna didn't even splash my radar until you know the summer of 2020 when they started revealing oh uh, the new vaccine isn't it's not even a traditional vaccine it's a brand new never before been used rna vaccine where what what's the worry yeah yeah what could go wrong and and, <laughs> and it's the the way it operates and i'm clearly not a medical expert but the the way uh, apparently it works is that it it sort of reprograms the cells to write their own uh, response antibody response to a virus it sounds bizarro to me. I mean, I'm gonna fight like hell not to take this thing because I don't, I don't trust, uh, I don't trust the speed at which they're doing it. I don't trust that it's a brand new thing. I don't trust the supply chains because a lot of people, one of the big 
takeaways I had from my research, and this is an argument you can use against so-called rational folks, people who don't think too much, we'll say, um, they, uh, they don't, the doctor understands the theory of a vaccine and they think it works. The problem is big pharma who has a profit motive, they put the adjuvants and the extra ingredients into these vaccines and the doctor has zero clue what the supply chain looks like mm. for these big pharma companies. They have no clue what other stuff they're tossing into this guy. And, you know, the classic example is uh, basically the monkey AIDS that came with the polio vaccine back in the 40s that they injected a whole bunch of people with. It gave them this, this whole virus because uh, they were using up, they grind up these monkey guts and they were grinding up the wrong, cheap, cheap local monkeys instead of the right kind of monkeys uh, to save some money and go faster. And a bunch of people got polio from it and like, or SV40, this weird monkey AIDS disease. So it's like, could that happen with this? I mean, yeah, there's all the pressure yeah. in the world on rolling out this thing as quick as humanly possible and convince, and, and to me, it's a perception war. It's, it's not so much that they're worried about people getting sick or not sick. It's they want the world to be at ease with the new way of things so that the economy can keep rolling, which you know, right or wrong, there's there's justifiable reasons for wanting that to be the thing. Uh, but I just, I just feel like we're primed to not hear the total truth about what could be in this vaccine and how effective it is. Um, and, and, and to me, like, I just want people to be a little more educated on it. I'm not saying people shouldn't take it. I'm not saying I would judge people for taking it. I mean, everyone's got their own life to live. But like, to me, I think focusing on your personal health and nutrition will, will take you, you know, leap years ahead of some creepy new <laughs> ball gates vaccine. But this is the, that's I suppose what you're saying is an inversion, isn't it? And then we go back to Satanism in a minute and, and how they invert everything. They're inverting that by saying, don't worry about the cause, deal with the effect. Don't go to the root of the problem. Let's just deal with the problem. You're like, well, if you deal with the root, then clearly you're going to deal with the root. It's it's a bizarre way around of looking at things, and to me, that's kind of clearly, I suppose, an inversion of health. They're telling you get sick, and then we'll cure you. Yeah, and and that's a, like a the Gnostic principle, which is an underlying truth hidden in a lot of the occult messaging and and symbolism and entertainment and whatnot. And you know, and I learned uh, I had a two I had a two stage red pilling in my life and the first was bill cooper's behold a pale horse i read and uh i think it was 2001 2002 i read that um it was after 9 11 right uh, i was a I was a young man and a buddy of mine in the military was like oh you should read this book talking about these crazy aliens under the airport in denver and stuff and i was like oh cool man because i liked aliens you know and uh and it was just real bizarro stuff but i found it really entertaining then a few years later a buddy of mine I worked with, he was a Marine, he gave me a VHS tape of Freedom Road by David Icke. Mm -hmm. This is one of his earlier works. And I remember watching it and being like, yo, what's this guy talking about, man? He's talking about obelisk penis energy and stuff. And I'm like, this guy's wacky. But then I, I actually, <laughs> I took the time to record an MP3 version of the audio off that VHS tape so I could listen to it at work. Because it was just like, it was so foreign to me. And I listened to it so many times, so many times. And he talks about the Gnostics in his books and stuff. David Icke does. Uh, so David Icke was like my second stage. Like Bill Cooper gave me the mini dose and then yep. David Icke gave me the hero dose. Um, but yeah, the, the Gnostic principles apply in almost everything. Everything's inverted. Uh, you know, the hospital that's supposed to make you healthy makes you sicker. Uh, yep. You know, and David Icke has a good riff he does on like... Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I can't redo it myself. But he, he talks about all these things are inverted principles and um, th that that very much shows up in the entertainment world, which is kind of more of my forte. Uh, the Gnostic principles are, believe it or not, in the alien agenda that, that and that's why I wrote the, this book, because I fear that we're I don't fear. I see it coming. I see this coming down this path of making us believe in aliens, then they s roll out a sort of antichrist global religion project blue beam thing, which sounds absolutely preposterous, but like you gotta, you gotta look at the slippery slope of like five to 10 years is where they'll do this sort of thing. And then 
we're either going to be in the digital matrix or we're going to be sacrificing babies to the alien gods, uh, which is the adrenochrome talk. And I, I have a chapter in my book where we get into the the theories of adrenochrome and, and child, child sacrifice to the the alien gods. Um, yeah, you see, you, you see all this stuff connected in here, like with the Gnostic inversion mm. principle. So. Absolutely. And as you say, that all connects. And that's when you become you become an investigator and you start in what is, I reminded it of like, like it's like being a, um, a, a mole on a golf course. You go down one hole and you'll end up digging up completely in a different garden somewhere. Go, where the fuck did I get here? And then you'll dig again and you'll come up in another garden. You go, I don't really, I'm lost now. I don't know where I am, but you know, all the holes are connected and that's what you kind of end up with this stuff. And that's why you end up writing about aliens. And then suddenly then you're writing about the UK politics you realize that they actually come in through the bloodlines and then you understand the crown nephilim and like dean henderson i had on the other day talking about the crown entities and how they're related to the crown nephilim nephilim created to the anarchy and then you come into the prophecies and you realize that actually this is with one big weird ass story so let's go into let's talk about these prophecies i want to talk about project Bluebeam and your take on what they might do in the middle east because to me there seems a bit of a west worldy thing going on here with the solomon's temple um can you explain to someone who just hasn't doesn't know anything about what this prophecy is and then possibly how you think it might play out in regards to this digital age that we're, we're coming into now yeah so i guess like if you want to I'll try to be. I'll try to be brief. Um, like you said, there's many rabbit holes in this, but first we have to understand the idea of a transhumanism, uh, the idea of evolving man past what they believe are the limitations, uh, because it, ultimately I do believe this is a spiritual battle. The occultists for hundreds of years have been telling us how, you know, Jack Parsons says he wants to destroy the uh, lying hypocrisy of Christianity. Uh, Crowley taught, said the same stuff, Helena Blavatsky, all these people who laid the foundations for alien contact all agreed that Christianity is the key block of finding true enlightenment and evolving man to the next phase. Then you've got you know, this transhuman agenda, which is incorporating technology into mankind's body and overcoming the limitations, which is... The same thing that going back to Adam and Eve in, in the uh, Garden of Eden, the serpent said, you will become like gods. Uh, so, and, and when you read the occult literature, it always, it always goes to enlightening man to become man, man to become God and liberating the material prison of the shell that God put us in um, because, and, and this goes into Gnosticism too, right? They believe that the material wor world is a prison and the same goes for the body. There's a, there's a catalytic spark in our spirit and in our soul that yearns to be released to go back to the cosmos. Uh, and this shows up in different sort of philo perennial philosophy, panpsychism, uh, which by the way, the first ancient astronaut guy, his name was Konstantin Soykovsky. He was teaching all this ancient alien stuff in like the 1800s before uh, crazy Sukulos and Eric Von Daniken were talking about it. Which, oh, by the way, and in the book I talk about this, Von Daniken got his ideas for Chariots of the Gods from a book called Morning of the Magicians, which right. is talking about the occult philosophies of contacting these aliens. It, but when you look for it, you see this clear thread of the occult history of getting past the limitations of mankind, getting past Christianity, evolving man to the next phase, which I believe is going to be a digital matrix, as per Arthur C. Clarke's uh, 2001 novel and the sequels, 26, uh, 2010, 2061, 3001. That's what happens. The, you're on the journey the alchemical enlightenment of the astronaut as he becomes the star child, which he evolves, you know, plot spoiler, he evolves into a digital consciousness streaming across the universe. And I think that's our, the ultimate goal these people have, but they got to sort of walk us down the path. And one of the components to get us there is project Bluebeam. Um, and, and for the trend and, and let me put this into perspective uh, transhumanism 
Ray Kurzweil, the director of Google Engineering, he's he's been a futurist writing about this for a long time. He wants to bring his his dead father back to life, and he's into all this wacky stuff. But he he wrote several books since the '90s predicting the future, and he says 2045 will be the year that we cross the singularity where machine will be smarter than man, and basically that's when we'll start implementing this digital matrix. I mean, we're talking. 20 years and some change till that happens. So they got 20 years to get mankind on board with their idea of a perfected society because that this perfected matrix denies all that is human and man's basic pleasures because it's going to have rules and control and they're going to pitch it as it's a world free of crime, free of pain, you can be with your loved ones forever, live immortally. I mean, th- these are all very enticing things. And that's how they're going to sell it to us. But we have to understand how to get us there. And one of the arguments is this Project Bluebeam, which is an alleged project. Uh, Serge Monast was the, the researcher who wrote about this in the 90s. And I read through his, his write-up on it and gave a sort of summation of it in my book. But they basically want to bring about the New Age Antichrist through a false alien invasion, which they're they're claiming it's going to be run by NASA. It's going to have this New Age ecumenical religion with Lucifer at the head, which will also give us the global government stuff. Um, They've been and NASA, you know, they've been they've been sending out they've been telling us. They told us they'll find they'll prove the existence of extraterrestrials by 2025. Right. Meanwhile, they've got the Europa Clipper mission, which, which uh, uh, is um, going to prove that it's going to bring samples back from an asteroid in I think it's like 2023 that prove that the microbiology on an asteroid has life on it. And then you see the stuff in the news of Venus has uh, stuff on it. The, the the moon has Mars on it. They're really trying to scientifically prove that aliens can exist because they need that as a component of their system, of their agenda. And I'm, I'm trying to not go too deep in, in, into, the, uh, into the theories on here, but when you look at people like Werner von Braun, the, the Nazi scientist brought over an Operation Paperclip, he said on his deathbed, as per a colleague and friend, Dr. Carol Rosen, who worked with him for many, many years, he told her on his deathbed that they were going to manipulate the world with a fake alien threat. Um, and I believe her. I believe that he told her that. And I believe that they're posturing to get us to believe in the existence of aliens. And there could be some warring factions here. There could be one faction that's like, Let's make them believe in aliens so we can build mega uh, war weapon systems. Then there's another faction that's like, let's make them believe in aliens so we can make them believe that the aliens are the gods. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't profess to know which path they want to take with this thing. Uh, but to me, I just know that there's a path that we're on. And I, I believe in I believe in some elements of that Project Bluebeam idea that they're going to basically put on a spectacular light show. I would argue with drones, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're planting all the seeds in entertainment to make us believe that aliens exist. And through science and Neil deGrasse Tyson and all these figures uh, to you know get the public to open up their mind to this idea, to accept it. Because that is the new norm, is to accept the idea that aliens exist. You hear it all the time. Oh, there's, there's so many planets and so many stars. There's got to be aliens out there. And it's like, okay, I, I get that. But like, there's no proof. There's no proof whatsoever. So what's your take on... So they will say the aliens exist, that they're coming. Obviously, there's the other theory that aliens were already here before we were and still are now. The Anunnaki are the bloodlines of the people that control us. What's your kind of take on that? For me, that seems more like you would be looking up there for them when they're really already down here and have been for a very long time, almost like a distraction technique. They've already been here. They've been controlling us for a very long time. The bloodlines of which we see coming out with the British Royals, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the banking families, the Merovingian bloodlines, uh, which is the main one. Um, I know that Prince William, by ways of being actually Prince Charles, not being Prince William's actual real dad, 
has Merovingian, he's pure Merovingian bloodline. Um, and there's saying that he would be put up as the next Messiah. I'm not saying that that's true. That's what Dean Henderson, he's come to that conclusion that Prince William would possibly be the one um, put in the Solomon's Temple type area. I believe Solomon's Temple, the posse would be a an AI, like a quantum computer, basically, up on a big hill. That, to me, sounds quite logical if you're getting everybody to connect to 5G, um, connect to the smart grid. It's got to come from a hub somewhere. It seems to me that in their crazy mind, they might try and make that the Solomon's Temple on the hill. With that, what's your take on that? And also the Anunnaki kind of narrative of them always already been here. Yeah, those, those are those are good questions. Um, as far as Solomon goes, did you watch Westworld season three? I did. Any chance on HBO? Yeah, two was rubbish. Didn't understand two at all. Completely lost. But three was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, three had a big AI called. It was originally called Solomon. It was, yeah. And they named and it after it his sort son of a, afterwards, didn't they? Solomon's son, yeah. or something. Can't remember the name now. But yeah, yeah, I can't remember it either. But yeah, that was kind of the 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 plot. There was, was this Solomon was the AI that was fed all the data. Which I mean, we know they're collecting our data. That's nothing new. And it was a super cog to again have this perfected society where. They could stop crime before it even happens, um, and and when you look at because my shtick is I'm more I focus in on the history of the occult, um, and when you talk about the Temple of Solomon, this was of course the the uh, the first time that the Jewish people built a temple because they were like a nomadic people up until that point, and the story goes that Solomon built this t- this temple with the help of Hiram Abiff, who was the architect, uh, and then he hired his apprentices and so on. So that's what connects you into Freemasonry because, uh, like, they, they call the, the Freemason meeting places temples in honor of Solomon's temple. Mm-hmm. And the entranceway to Solomon's temple had two pillars, the Boaz and Joaquin. And in some ways, this represents the Kabbalistic tree of life where if one were to reconcile the two opposing pillars they could go up the center which is called the pillar of consciousness and this order of solomon's temple called the knights templar is more commonly known uh they were supposedly into this sort of practice and and you see this symbol of the the uh the twin pillars in a lot of a lot of entertainment like uh the one that comes to mind is holy mountain by alejandro hodorowski um but yeah, this this idea of rebuilding the Temple of Solomon, it it goes back to Freemasonry, and to them, the Temple uh, the Temple of Solomon isn't a physical place. It's a sort of state of mind and an enlightened um, society of sorts. Uh, now, to answer the question about which would make you know, sense with your mind being the temple, wouldn't it? Your temple. Yeah, yeah, and and that's where the the that's where my because when I wrote my alien book, I thought, you know, there's so many alien books and theories out there. Like, I, what can I do to make it a little bit different and stand out and add my perspective in? And, and my perspective is sort of like occult symbolism and entertainment. And to me, researching all that stuff and researching the work of like Jacques Vallée, who's clearly spent much more time researching aliens and UFOs than, than I have. You know, no one can define this thing. Jacques Vallée called it a uh, control system. There's, uh, you know, Carl Jung and these guys, they said that there's a psychic component to all of this. And to me, it ties you into the ideas of quantum theory and the quantum modeling of the world and the universe, which has a lot to do with the observer effect and reality not manifesting itself until the observer... Uh, takes a look at it and believes in it and that's what i think all the entertainment has been doing it's showing us different versions of aliens and ufos over the years maybe you believe they're evil maybe you believe they're good it doesn't matter so long as you believe and i think that there's power and and this is what they've been studying for for many many years in the cia and all and the occult they've been researching how to manifest Oh, okay. entities into our world so what you're um, saying is is that 
they would say, okay, we want this to manifest in the world, but we need a collective consciousness consciousness to make this come about. We'll put these films out, these suggestions, suggestive, basically suggest what do you get if you call it, uh, the power of suggestion, and then we would as a global 7.5 billion people watching these things start to manifest that into reality in our world is that yes kind of what you yep. yeah that that that's essentially it and like i i don't have like this smoking gun of proof about that um it's a lot of ideas i sort of coalesce together and i i, I stand on the shoulders of giants in the sense that i i use I, I reference a lot of the research from people who have spent a lot more time in this realm than myself and pull out some of their ideas that that co-opt this. Um, I, I interviewed Dr. Diana Pasolka for my podcast. She wrote a book called American Cosmic. And I always recommend this to everybody because it's it's very telling of what this is all about. And she basically was hanging out with people that were in this community, a secret society, quite literally, of people researching what they call the phenomenon. And they've got pieces of UFO, and they're researching what this is, where it comes from, all these sort of weird ideas. And they pulled her in. She's a, a professor of religious studies. And they pulled her in to talk to her to get her understanding of how religions are formed. Right. Okay. And... That's that's the central component here. They want to start a religion. And when you and in her book, when you talk to these people, they have literal this is the claim that they have literal pieces of UFO. So when you say, Oh, do you believe in UFOs? They say, That's not what this is. It it's not a belief. This is reality. This is the this is happening. And what's curious is when I interviewed her, it was revealed and I didn't recall. I read her book twice. I don't recall it being in the book, but she said they take her, they blindfold her and take her out to what they call the sacred place out in the middle of the desert in New Mexico. It's not where Roswell happened. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's where Aztec or Socorro happened. Uh, It's implied that this is like a whole different thing that no one's ever heard about. They blindfold her to get in there. They go past armed guards and they're out there. And she said that they say a prayer before they start searching for pieces of UFO and they, have basically Stonehenge looking rocks out there. And I said to her, I said, well, you know, that uh, like a sacrificial thing with like an altar. And she says, yeah, that's what it looks like. And I I was like, that's very curious, right? What are they sacrificing to these things? Why is that there? Why are they having a professor of religious studies help them figure out how to establish a, a religion based on this? Uh, and I'm not here to tell people what's right or wrong or what to believe, but uh, to me, I think when you add in a lot of these these scientists slash occultists like Isaac Newton, you know, these occultists started out with science, mm. and then we had this sort of uh, I don't know what you call it, like the age of, of of where we started doing reductivist thinking and this uh, age of enlightenment and all this stuff, where um, you know over time science became more of what you can verify with the five senses. But now quantum, the quantum model of science is becoming more well-known and understood, and it seems that the observer has more of a role in creating reality than what was previously understood with the Newtonian mechanics. Would you think that there's a relation between what you've just said there about the observer being more kind of, in other words, important, playing a larger role, and the term the watchers? Would there be a correlation between the watchers actually just being a hint towards possibly we are the watchers and you are creating the reality for which you are manifesting anyway? You are the watchers you're looking for. That's an interesting take. I never put that together. Yeah, I mean that could be right. Um, I, and and we were talking about do I do I believe there's you know aliens walking amongst ourselves? That's a tough question. I do believe that people like John D and Edward Kelly and Alistair Crowley, they were channeling, you know, spirits, entities. They were seeing them manifest. I believe that that happened. I believe that it is possible to do such a thing because I believe in a spiritual world. Now, you know, David Icke talks about the archons and Mm. how they manifest into our reality through, you know, fear-based sustenance. 
you know, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a tough question. I, I think it's possible, right? I mean, anything's possible, but I do think it's possible that they could walk amongst us with the right amount of like ritualistic channeling and energy being devoted to them. I don't know that it's like super common. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one to, to reconcile. I just believe that aliens are an interdimensional thing more so than an extraterrestrial thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, get, I, I, I think, I think that, yeah, I was just gonna say, I think there's like, there's, you know, you look at the EMF spectrum, like visible lights, a sliver, and you've got all this space over here. I, I think they exist somewhere over the, here and there. And maybe a certain amount of energy and ritualistic channeling can get them to pop into the vert, the uh, the, the uh, visible light spectrum for a minute or two or I don't know, hundred years. Who knows? So this is what David Icke's talking about, and not just David Icke. David Icke's the most well-known one, but you've got thousands of years, which I was trying to explain to someone yesterday. Thousands of years of accounts of reptilian shape shifting. It wouldn't be the shape was shifting; it would be the frequency that was changing, like changing the TV channel. That's what David says. They're not physically changing. They're changing their frequency and you're seeing them differently. So could EMF, we know we're going to go into millimeter waves. This is 5G's millimeter waves. It's not the same. People seem to think it's the same as 3G, 4G. Although 4G light is on the borderline. 5G at 60 gigahertz we know affects our bodies. Five, uh, so millimeter waves. Could this be a wave frequency that this could, this archon energy or some other energy can use to create itself in here? As a man, can it ease? Do you know what I mean? Is it a frequency you can almost like a beam yeah. of light you could come in on? Hey. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's lots of uh, there's lots of devices that use that that the microwave, you know, the the uh, millimeter wave spectrum. Uh, now, having it zapped into your your head <laughs> with a cell phone, uh, I don't know, man. Like that that gets a little fringy for me to like really give some good good response to. Uh, I'm, I did a lot of research on 5g and I'm opposed to 5g. I don't trust this. I think this is, I think there's a large, again, part of the project blue beam will incorporate the 5g because they, they call it the internet of things where simple products you buy will now have some kind of chip in them that will connect them into the 5g network so that, you know, you can triangulate and manipulate devices of all kinds. I mean, you could put on a pretty good light show if you, you had every electronic device in your household hooked into some kind of messaging system that could do this, that, or the other. Um, you know, and, and, and there are no safety studies on this 5G and the effects it have. It, it's it's just like that RNA vaccine. Like, they're rolling this thing out very quickly, um, and, and it's very sketchy. Uh, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if we should walk around with tinfoil strapped around our head. Uh, I'm, I'm sure when cell phones first came out, that was a big concern too, right? When, uh, mm. you know, 3G and 4G rolled out, and I, I suppose it doesn't have a huge effect. But, like, to me, I think it's part of the inducing anxiety and stress on the human body and on people to make us more manipulatable, Uh because clearly they're really into fear and anxiety. That seems to be the thing that they're loving to, you know, soak into our environment. Uh, so that that's more of where I I go with five G. I'm not like out here burning five G towers, but I I definitely don't want it uh, near my house. But they're going to put these mini they call them uh, repeaters, or they're going to put these little five G. They're the size of a suitcase. They're going to put them on, uh, you know, outside every couple homes or something like that. Uh, but as long as you're not, as long as your phone isn't hooked into the 5G, maybe you could disable it. I don't know. Like then you don't have to worry about that beam hitting you right in your head where you're holding your phone. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's part of the Internet of Things, which is going to be part of the 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 Project Blue Beam, you know, massive hallucination that they're going to try to employ upon us. So take us through what Project Blue Beam is um, for anyone who hasn't heard it, just an oversight of, because it's something that I, I, I was writing a book, um, Illusions from the Temple, never finished it, but it actually was about Project Blue Beam and I never even heard of Project Blue Beam. And I was like, oh, well, this is already a concept. I mean, I, I assumed that it was anyway, but I didn't know there was a name for it. So if you talk um, about what Project Blue Beam is and what they're doing with it. Yeah, most definitely. So like I said, a guy named Serge Manast wrote about this in the mid 90s. Uh, he was a journalist, uh, a theorist of sorts. He died just two years later of a, a of a heart attack after publishing this uh, Project Bluebeam piece. 
Um, another blue beam researcher near him also died. Both had no history of heart disease. Um, and, and some, uh, some people claim that, you know, commandos abducted Serge's daughter and she was never returned. Like they claim this is part of a higher conspiracy and he shouldn't have revealed this. That's the, the idea. Now, what he wrote about was this NASA run program that will instill the occult religion, um, as part of the new world order. They need the universal religion, right? Um, the first step would involve engineered earthquakes and fake hoax discoveries. They need to break down all previous archaeological archaeological knowledge uh, with new discoveries, which is kind of what Ancient Aliens does. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to redefine our, our, our history of archaeology. Um, but these are all part of this psychological preparation to accept the existence of aliens and like we talked and we already kind of talked about that is putting the putting uh symbols and messages into the subconscious of the masses uh which that's why carl Jung, sigmund freud edward bernays the propaganda king there they all they all knew how to work with with the masses and how to dupe the masses so the second step of blue beam is the big fake space show where they're going to use holograms and and drones. I don't surge didn't call them drones. That's, that's what I would assume this will look like for us. Uh, uh, drone sounds, and it's going to reproduce images of God to each culture, uh, depending on which God that predominantly they believe in. I, you know, I guess like in, in, in America here, it would be, it would be Christ, you know, and so on. Um, but the, uh, and this is where things get a little funky with his ideas. He thought that this would also be capable of inducing like suicidal thoughts into those that don't want to comply with like, like for instance, in America, if you had a lot of Christians who were like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to believe that because, because the God's supposed to come and give us this message that, Hey, all the gods are the same, uh, you know, Christ and, and Buddha and Muhammad, like we're all the same. We're all the same. In, we're just incarnations of the, uh, you know, cosmic consciousness, we all need to come together. And Serge believes that, or believed that part of the plan was it would induce people to commit suicide. And that seems a little, a little silly, but like Elon Musk has a Neuralink thing that you, you get your brain cap <laughs> plugged into the 5G matrix or whatever. Uh, so maybe, right? Now, he says that this... Um, this faked uh, alien invasion will happen at the same time. And he, what, what I found curious was that he called out the new age antichrist as the Maitreya, which actually does come up a lot in the research of the occult. You find out that this is a very important figure. It's basically the Luciferian figure. Um, Helena Blavatsky said she's the founder of theosophy. She said that, this is going to be the final world teacher. This is the master of the ancient wisdom. Because, uh, again, it's always about mankind getting some kind of enlightenment to evolve. And um, and what was curious was that in the secret doctrine, she, she writes, I got this quote here, I'll read to you. She writes about the final age called the Kali Yuga. Um, and the final age will have kings of churlish spirit, violent temper, addicted to falsehood and wickedness, um, blah, blah, blah. They will be intent upon the wives of others, and they will be of unlimited power. Their lives are short. Their desire is insatiable, uh, which sounds like a certain leader in our, our country. But the um, there's a professor, Ben Teitelbaum, who I interviewed for my show, and he wrote a book called War for Eternity. And in that book, he talks about how he was spending time with Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe is I believe Steve Bannon is behind QAnon, but that's a whole other story. Um, but Steve Bannon is what they call a traditionalist, which is an occult form of thinking. And the short version of that is that they believe we're in the Kali Yuga, the final age of man, mm. and they want to accelerate it because they think on the other side of the Kali Yuga is the sort of perfected society. Again, the same idea: enlightened man get the perfected society. Uh, you know the great whatever they think this is going to turn into. But 
Um, is that sort the, of like the Alistair Crowley do what thou wilt, do as much evil as possible to so the Antichrist will come and end times and build it back up anew? Is that is that similar along the lines? Similar. Um, you know, Alistair Crowley talked about the Aeon of Horus being the New Age. Uh, that's kind of what we'd be talking about. And when, when he said, when Crowley said, do what thou wilt, he was into, he's the one that coined the term true will. And he said that man's responsibility was to find his true will and his true purpose of being on this planet and to pursue it at all costs. There's absolutely nothing that should get in the way. Um, there's no rule you shouldn't break. There's no taboo. You need to pursue it at all costs, which obviously uh, you can see how that could go wrong real quick when you think <laughs> whatever. Uh, but yeah, the, the anyways, Serge Manasse, when he started talking about the Maitreya, that really made my ears perk up and I thought, oh man, maybe there's something to this because I, I was a bit skeptical. Um, but yeah, he said that they're going to project these versions of God all over the place, have us come together. Uh, there's going to be a lot of sort of false telepathic communications of people through these frequency waves. Uh, satellites are going to send waves of information. And, you know, when you and, and to, to riff on what you were saying, how you think maybe Solomon will be an AI of the future. I, I'm with you on that, man. I think that all this data mining they're collecting. There's a place called the Bumble Hive out in Utah. It's this massive storage facility. It's, it, I don't even, it's got a term for the, the number of the storage capacity. I think it's like Yoda bytes or something. It's got this massive <laughs> amount of Yoda bytes. Um, and they're storing data and they're going to do something with that data. I would argue, put it into an AI, a Solomon type thing. Well, then what happens? Well, you could possibly have this data feed into a 5G matrix or uh, Elon Musk's Starlink constellation of satellites. Uh, you know, they can use the data to manipulate us, basically, is kind of the idea. And that's what Serge Manasse was sort of telling us in the 90s. I mean, that's a pretty good insight to know that far ahead of mm -hmm. where this could go and, and how they were going to do it. Um, but then technology will manifest the alien invasion. The, the Christians will think it's the rapture. All these embedded chips and stuff will uh, create these illusions for, for people. Um, and, and, and then he sort of goes down the, the path of, uh, you know, digital currencies, which, again, he was a slightly ahead of his time on that idea. Um, and, uh, you know, the goal is the dictatorship. And it's going to be like I always warn my people when I'm talking to them is uh, about this. We're, we we trade privacy for not even safety. We trade privacy for the illusion of safety, mm. um, and, and, and that's ultimately what this will be: is the illusion of safety from the aliens at the Project Bluebeam. So they'll be the bogeyman. They'll be the the we're coming to get us alien invasion, the, the Independence Day scenario. Um, that yeah, was, like, yeah, it, yeah, and, and, yeah, exactly. Because that's what you know, and that's what politics is really good at: is they all have their own boogeyman that of what you should be scared of and when you should be scared of it. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you in uh, Dr. Pasalka's book, on my second read-through, I caught, she referenced 2001 Space Odyssey, the book. And I have the books, I read them all, they're all actually really good. Um, but uh, in 2001, they had this storyline called Project Barsoom, which is a riff on... Uh, Oh, the name escapes me. It's a, it's a book written by uh, is it Ed, Edgar Burroughs. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's this uh, storyline of Project Barsoom, and it was a Department of Defense study that they were doing at Harvard, and it's supposedly all fictional, where the humans were convinced that we contacted aliens after they were given drugs and put under hypnosis and were given visual effects, uh, which to me, like, I believe that that could be very true. I mean, Arthur C. Clarke wrote that book in the 60s. I mean, he was, again, like, these guys are really ahead of their time, and they seem to, like, I don't know, know some mm -hmm. some deeper purpose, you know, and you can get into Stanley Kubrick's films with that sort of logic, too. Is Yeah, Kubrick was, um, so many things have come. I like the idea, I've not heard about that before, films coming out to manifest to me it's like a slow version of manifesting something very quickly so obviously we, i suppose if we live in this dense reality 
things need to be ma- manifested on a physical level through f- obviously the inspiration, thought, creation, slowly. Whereas they say like if you were, I've heard rows of people say when they pass over they can manifest things very, think it and have it. Whereas you would be thinking it, creating it, and then having it, and the thought would be put in through um, mind. Oh, it's mind control, isn't it? It's his programming, predictive programming, or programming. Is it the guy from Netflix? I believe the CEO of Netflix. His uncles were Edward Bernays and um, uh, Sigmund Freud. I believe both. Really? His, I believe both both his uncles um, were Edward Bernays and Sigmund Freud. I be, I'm sure that's true. Um, let me just have a CEO of Netflix, Edward. Bernays, I, the founder of Netflix, I believe his yeah. uncles were Edward Bernays and Sigmund Freud, both of them. So imagine having both of them as your uncles. So this is like Netflix is now. We're all staying at home. We're watching Netflix. We've got um, Westworld on Netflix and all these other things on Netflix. I believe that's true. Ra- Mark Randolph mm. Bernays, um, his yeah, he's also related to Edward Bernays, was his uncle. Yeah, yeah um, and Bernays is the you know the king of propaganda. He's the one that got. He got women to smoke through the the torches of freedom campaign, and he's the one that made yeah. eggs and bacon our breakfast staple. And That's amazing. He made, <laughs> he made worthless diamonds all of a sudden valuable. Uh, yeah, I mean, if people, you know, and and people want to believe that there couldn't possibly be a conspiracy that the the masses fall for dumb stuff, and like it, it it's true, it, it's true all the time. You find this all the time. People are very. And that's not to say they're stupid. Like sometimes they're busy. Uh, sometimes yeah. they're not critical thinkers, uh, and and that's why you know guys like you are doing a real good service of trying to like show an alternative opinion. And we see how much they appreciate that when they censor the hell out of all of us. He says here. I mean, this is the sort of thing. This is why we do this: is to show people how vast this is. And it says his. Um, so Randolph's, who the guy that co-founder which is Mark Randolph, co-founder of Netflix. His um, paternal great-uncles were Sigmund Freud and his other great-uncle was Edward Bernays. So imagine coming, f- coming from that family. I'll send you the link. Coming from that family and creating Netflix. I mean, what more do you need to know about what Netflix, the purpose of Netflix is than that? And um, That's a I bummer, saw that man. I really I just, like Netflix. Too. I love Netflix. But it's the same thing with an illusion, isn't it? No, why is it, mate? It's, if you know it, it no longer has the power on you. You can still enjoy the trick. You can still enjoy the films. Exactly. You just know it, You know what's happening. I watch adverts. And I'm a filmmaker by trade. I've been doing film, filmmaker since for 20 years. I can watch an advert and see how it's cut together and put together and manipulating you. And it pisses me off because everything is manipulating you. But it doesn't mean I can't watch a film and enjoy the narrative of the film without buying into the belief of it. I know the trick. I can still enjoy the illusion of it all. And as you say, let's come back to Project Bluebeam. Then, if people, we spread the information enough, and they know it's an illusion, the illusion no longer has any validity because you know it as you have the the context of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of uh, when people ask me, like, well, what can we do about it? And it's like, well, I mean, I think awareness is like, you know, ninety percent of this. It's it's awareness that this is the deception being portrayed, and then like. Maybe you agree with it. I don't know, man. Like maybe some people like that idea and like, cool, as long as you're aware that like there could be some 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 faults with this line of thinking, but like people just tend to seem to go with the program. Uh, and and maybe maybe I'm wrong with that statement. I mean, twenty twenty sure is proving that a lot more people are skeptical than than before. Uh, a lot of people are really questioning official narratives right now, which is a good, healthy thing. I don't agree with every single conspiracy theory that comes out, but like I like that people are second guessing stuff. Mm, I, I do too, as well. Um, and I find it quite hard because obviously we've been doing this for quite some. What um, we've got different specialities and different knowledge, but that's why we all work together. That's the whole point. Um, and, and we all work in different sort of areas. But I, I like the fact that we have different things. But um, as you say, do you ever get to the point where you forget that people? still believe still at the stage where they believe voting makes any difference and i find that frustrating like if you're still at that stage that you believe that trump and biden are not really ultimately controlled by the same banking families cartels then i don't really that's that frustrates me because i'm like i've you've got so lot how can i talk to you about solomon's temple how can i talk to you about 
bit um, cryptocurrency and the social credit system how can i talk to you about 5g and, and the internet of things and the great reset if you still believe that your vote for trump or biden really ultimately makes any difference and i try and explain it to him like in a way like wilbur ross was the former head of bankruptcy at the rothschild bank and then he bails out trump and i'm like because he's controlled by the rothschilds and the rothschilds are not all the way not at the top they're completely far they'll be far down and you can't blame everything on the Rothschilds or the banking families. There's a whole hierarchy here. But do you get like do you forget sometimes that people are so far behind <laughs> that even like to me the big one is you're still voting. It's the whole the the definition of madness is to do the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I I hear you on that, um, and I always say I always sort of say that I say because I believe that voting is a thing that like I don't think they're faking all the results and all that I don't go that far with it Mm -hmm. I do think like you said though I think ultimately like there's still a control system that prevents these presidents and stuff from doing everything they want to do I always say like you I vote because I want to pick which carrot I want dangled in front of me you know what I'm saying yeah yeah yeah, Um, totally like like there's little there's little th- you know tax policies and and stuff and I think ultimately they're going to march us down this path but um, you know I I support the idea of voting in the sense that like you want to at least have a somewhat of a say in what's going on but it's very limited right and, mm-hmm. and I'm with you on the frustration of yeah things aren't really going to change like whether whether it's Trump or Biden like things aren't going to be drastically different like there's not like one of these guys is a savior and one of these guys is the antichrist it's there's a control system in place that prevents the big agenda from going off the rails like you might save a few a few dollars and have a couple social programs over here i mean like th- there's little things along the way uh that i don't dismiss entirely but yeah i don't i don't subscribe to it enough to let it ruin my day because when you get too much cuz i used to be really into politics um i used to follow intensely maybe 10 15 years ago and i found that it made me a worse person because like i would constantly be fighting with people and and that's ultimately what they want they wanted the division because they want it to be us versus us and not us versus them uh because that would really go against because we've got the numbers right Mm. but but like you said like there's a certain amount of rigging and a certain amount of gang warfare that goes on like like bernie sanders Twice he got denied the nomination for the Democratic Party in America, and it, that was by gang warfare design because they knew he wouldn't play ball with some of the 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 the, the grandmaster's plans. Um, so so yeah, I, I mean it's a tricky thing, you know. Uh, ultimately, yeah, I, I'm with you on the sense that there's a master plan that they can't, they won't deviate from, and I don't think that one guy is going to be the savior that's going to somehow make it past all these hurdles and and, and 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 knock the whole thing off the rails like i don't i don't believe that at all no we like in the in the uk boris johnson here was only a couple of weeks ago he stand in front of a a um a billboard and it says build back better which is the great reset the their their slogan and it's just in his over in the corner we're all picking up on it going that's the great reset he's, he's not even said it and then he says it and you're like, oh, there you go. I mean, it was quite clear. I know that he's been very cozy with the Rothschilds anyway. Um, again, not just the Rothschilds. There's many, many b- banking families out there yeah. that are doing this. Um, before we go, I want to get your take on what's happening. And you're, I mean, I don't know. Over here, I mean, it's a mess everywhere. It's supposed to be carnage, in my opinion. It's just, this is this is the um, the uh, order out of chaos, and the chaos is coming. What do you see coming in the in the US in the next few months? Because for me. It doesn't look good on the outside looking in, but again, I'm only seeing it through the media, so it could be completely different from what you guys are seeing, and I'm always interested to hear from someone who's actually there, because we're getting one thing, and it could be something completely actually different. Yeah, it's really hard to know uh, how chaotic things could be. I think in general, uh, and, and maybe I'm living in a sort of weird pocket of uh, uh, of order and peacefulness, but like where I live in, in my state of Utah, uh, things are pretty calm. Like, I don't think nothing's going to happen here, but like in some of those big cities, man, I don't know. Like there, there's a lot of contention going on. I I was writing about, uh, uh, they were pushing helter skelter, uh, 
race war symbolism like five years ago in entertainment for a solid two years. I kept seeing it. They kept having the word rise show up on everything. And that was, uh, I read a lot of Charles Manson stuff and, you know, they wrote rise and blood on the wall. Mm. And that was supposed to be the trigger for the black Panthers and the black people to rise up against the white people and start this race war that helter skelter thing, which maybe not even be true. If you read, uh, uh, Tom O'Neill's chaos, which talks about how, the whole thing was cooked up by Bugliosi, but anyway, side rabbit hole. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I I hope for peace. Um, it could be the mainstream media makes it look worse than it, than it is. Uh, here in America, though, I've seen enough videos of these cities where it's absolute chaos in, in parts of America that, I mean, it's a real shame. I, I don't know what to think of it. I, I hope it doesn't come to that, but it, this has been a really divisive election this year, and uh, I mean, I just almost stay strapped in my house, keep the doors locked and hope for the best. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we feel like that here, especially here. We don't want to go anywhere. And what I see happening here is this mask and non-mask thing in the UK we're having. Um, and to me, it's it's a, it pushes my mind back to the Tower of Babylon. And the actual fact is there seems to be a divide in people being able to communicate with each other. We fucking hate each other or we love each other. It's like, yeah, you're a mask. You're not a mask. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a complete divide, yeah. like a, it, it a breakdown a in communication. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what it's become here is this political statement. And yeah, I don't know, man, it's frustrating to see them like divide people so much the way they do. Uh, but yeah, that it's weird how like the same, it's weird how like the same agendas unfold in different countries. You know what I mean? Like, in it's different like, centuries. Are, we're connected, but not yeah. that connected. Why is this happening like this? Like, yeah. it's very strange. It's very, very strange to watch things, and I, I always go back to like the stories, like the, the Tower of Babylon, and how they used it to stop communication between people. And I feel like that's happening. And obviously, there's purge on the internet. They um, call it bit burning, getting rid of people's content. Um, Isaac, before you go, um, thank you for your time as well, mate. Do you want to, people just tell people about your book and where they can find it and what they can expect from your your book, your new book. Yeah, so I got this. Uh, I, I've written several books. This is my latest: Aliens, UFOs, and the Occult. Use your illusion one. Uh, with the implication that I will be writing User Illusion 2 next year with uh, different examples of from film and entertainment of this idea that I float in the first book that thoughts become belief, become reality. They're programming us to sort of manifest and channel aliens into our dimension. That's the short version of it. You have to read the whole book to figure out why I, <laughs> why I believe that. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, Audible. I self-narrated the, the audio books for all my books. Um, they're all on Audible, Amazon. Uh, you can get signed paperbacks on my Gumroad store, gumroad.com backslash Isaac W. If people aren't ready to take that kind of leap yet, uh, they can follow me on Instagram at Isaac Weishaupt. Uh, I try to post fun stuff on there, news, updates, different ideas of what I'm seeing. Uh, they can they can follow me there if, uh, if they're not ready to dive into the, the books and the crazy uh, adrenochrome death cult alien stuff. I'll put all the links below, guys, so go over and check out um, Isaac's stuff. What you just said there just popped in my head. It seems to be what cybernetics. It seems to be the, the loop. The, they're creating stuff to create the thought, to create the RLE that creates the thought and the reaction. It just goes around in this whole loop i believe that's what cybernetics means and i'm completely trying to figure out what cybernetics means and it goes right over my head but it seems to be like a creation loop they're creating a thought manifestation a reaction a thought and it seems to be that sort of thing is that kind of like what you're talking about in the book the the thought to the yep. manifestation and background yeah and i go through uh sort of the basics of it first with the idea of symbolism and predictive programming and you know and edward bernays like same thing like how like how do people this is how they get diamonds which were worthless to have value. Like there's mass propaganda campaigns, misinformation, psyops, all this stuff. And entertainment is like the biggest form of psy. Francis Bacon said it's easier to uh, um, teach someone a lesson through a story than to lecture them. And that's what I argue they use entertainment for, which I believe is uh, part of this alien um you know new world order that they're marching us towards guys go and check out isaac's work i'll put all the links below thank you for your time mate i really appreciate it and and, and i'm sure we'll do this again um and um yeah i appreciate your time i hope you guys 
learned a lot from this because I always learn stuff from anyone I interview. They've just got so many different areas of understanding that I don't have. And I've been doing this for a fair few years now, but there's lots that are filling me in, especially with Gumstone. I want to talk to you about religion as well because I know very little about religion. And I know that you're, is it an Orthodox Christian? That's right. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So to me, I don't even know what that means. So I'd like to talk to you about things like that because these things are important. And um, thank you for your time, mate. I appreciate it. Guys, go and check out um, iconic.com where you'll find this video, um, the video version of this. This should be on iTunes, BitChute, and this will be on YouTube until they chuck us all off BitChute, um, YouTube. And you can check us out on at Rick in the Wall on um, Twitter so far until we chucked off that one too. But it'd be great. David Ike got chucked off that a couple of days ago. So we're all we're all getting the call. Um, guys, thank you for your time, Isaac. Thank you for your time, mate. And go out and, and um, get Isaac's book. I will put the links below, and I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Hi, guys. Welcome to Glitching the Code.